Hey everyone, welcome to part two of our show tonight. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Jeff. And when we, when we left off, we had uh, Spencer giving us thoughts on what he thought was going to happen in, t- in tomorrow night's uh, South-Southern Miss game. Not quite as bad as his gloomy exterior made it seem for South Alabama tomorrow night. It's not going to be like Alabama-Michigan State or anything on that, that plane. But probably not the best for the Jags tomorrow night. Um, I hate to say it, I'm kind of in agreement with Spencer. Uh, the thing that worries me is it looks like Southern Miss is a pretty solid offense returning, experienced quarterback in Jack Abrams, some very able wide receivers. And even though South Alabama has an improving quarterback coming back, I just don't see them putting up the points to hang with the Golden Eagles in this. And I kind of see a score. I'm going to go with 42 to 20 Southern Miss. I like Southern Miss to cover the line. But the good news is, Spencer, South Alabama gets one and a half more points than they averaged last year. So it's an improvement on their offensive productivity. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, Joe, let's go to you next. And we'll let Kerry come in at the end because I think he's going to know the most about Southern Miss. Okay, um, yeah, I'm pretty much uh, in line with the consensus, you know, about a fairly comfortable Southern Miss win tomorrow night against South Alabama. I'm going in the round of like 42 to 20 Southern Miss. I think that you'll see the offense have a lot of passing yards. I think that Southern Miss defense will be pretty good. Uh, but also, I think to Spencer's point, uh, Desmond Trotter is. Um, a very exciting uh, quarterback who's really coming into his own as a sophomore. And I think that he's the type of guy that could be um, an all-Sundell first-team performer um, at some point. And so look for him to lead uh, the Jaguars to a couple of touchdowns. But Southern Miss at home with that offense will just be too much, especially when you take into consideration the contrast here. You have a South Alabama team coming off you know, a couple of really difficult seasons, whereas you have Southern Miss, who is one of the prohibited favorites this year in Conference USA. All right, Carrie, well, why don't you tell us what you think about this game with you having the, the best access to it? <laughs> well, honestly, I think it all comes down to, uh, I think it comes down to the defense. Um, if the defense comes to, comes to play. I think uh, we hold Alabama, uh, South Alabama, down to maybe 14 points, um, maybe seven. Um, but uh, Southern Miss sometimes can, the defense gets, this, sometimes gets a slow started. So uh, you might see a close game for the first quarter or two quarters. After that, it, it depends on what the depth Will, will, will look like um, if uh, South Alabama has that depth coming up, uh, could be a close game. I think uh, ultimately it could come out to the 31-13 Southern Miss. Um, and it, it can be, you know, closer than that, but I, I think uh, that might be uh, that, that might be uh, what what happens tomorrow. Well, that's good. Uh, Spencer, back to you real quick. 
What do you think would be uh, a score that would, would be something good tidings for the rest of South Alabama's season? Like how, how close to them they should hang with Southern Miss for them to feel like they probably did a good job tomorrow night? If they keep it within a touchdown or even 10 points, I would consider that a, some kind of good tidings, especially against a, a good quality opponent as Southern Miss playing at Southern Miss, um, that's definitely something that you can say, okay, maybe maybe they worked on some things up in the offseason, and hopefully it won't, be, it won't be a foreshadowing of last year whenever they actually gave Nebraska a run for their money. And uh, But if they come within... 10 to 7 points, I would consider that a moral victory, even though that doesn't count in the, uh, in the standings at the end of the year. Unless you're Bush Jones, then it counts. Uh, Spencer, uh, one more thing. You were talking about right now, you've got a Mr. Freeze outlook on Steve Campbell and what he's bringing to the Jags program. What win-loss total would you feel good about? Do you think for you to feel good about where Campbell's taken south, he needs to be bowl eligible this year, or do you even think maybe like four or five wins would give you a feel that things are improving? Oh, if he gets bowl eligible, I think they might just extend him the rest of his life, I'll be honest with you. If he gets bowl eligible, they might have a statue of the man on campus by the end of the year. Um, but to be honest with you, like I said, if there, there's only one way to go, it's up from last season. So if he gets four or five good wins, especially especially with the tough schedule this year that they have this year, uh, I would say about maybe five to six, or maybe four. Maybe four. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we got right now a collective with four different people here. Four different people who have graduated from Southern universities, who all pretty intelligent guys that are doing pretty successful with what they what they do. Um, you know, Joe and I have prided ourselves a lot on the fact that we try not to be political on our show. Uh, as sports have become increasingly political, you watch ESPN now; it's basically like watching CNN. You're not even really getting sports, and. You know, I, 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 I tweeted about this, and I thought I wanted to talk about it on my show real quick, what everyone thought about what Max Kellerman said on ESPN the other day. And if those of you who don't, don't know, Max Kellerman basically said, I'll, you know, I'm not going to be someone that misquotes somebody. Uh, he said that people in the South are easy to propagandize and that uh, they will uh, – hide from the truth, essentially. And he basically said that uh, us in the South will listen to everything that Trump says and that we're not as intelligent, and that's why we're playing football. And I was really, you know, I couldn't believe that he said this and that they allowed him to say it. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, if you had said this about any other kind of issue we have going on in this country, if you had made this race-based or class-based, then you'd been fired just like you should have. And uh, I kind of wanted to get everybody's opinion on what Kellerman said. And Joe, let's start with you. What, do you, what did you think about those comments that Max Kellerman made about people from the South, just because he has a different opinion about us playing football and this, the coronavirus pandemic? Well, I, I 
I guess the overwhelming perspective I would have on his thoughts is that I feel that just like people playing armchair quarterback, it's really easy to be critical of people from afar. And I think he's from New York. Um, I believe his show is broadcasted in the Northeast. And so it's a lot easier for him you know, to be that far away from that vantage point. I don't even know if he's traveled that much to the South. And so he has that kind of stereotypical, unfair opinion and overwhelming assessment of an entire region. And I hate, like, the South is nothing like um, the reflection of his comments. And I really wish that he would apologize for that comment. I did too. And I didn't add in that it gets even worse. He went down further and compared people in the South to the sheep from Animal Farm following the pigs. And I was just like, is this guy for real right now? And yet they let this guy talk on a show. So, Spencer, what do you think about that as someone that's being accused of being a sheep right now? A sheeple from uh, the South. I was, I was moderately offended by it, to be completely honest with you, but also at the same time I had to take a step back and realize what he does for a living. And he's basically stirred the pot. That's what he does. That's what he's supposed to do. That's what they hired him for. He's supposed to be the new Skip Bayless whenever Skip Bayless left the ESPN. Now, he has made absolutely outrageous claims on that show where Stephen A. Smith almost has a heart attack, <laughs> like Skip Bayless made him have. Um, you know, he's basically trying to stir the pot. That's all the guy does. It's just like Paul Feinbaum, whoever. But in this case, he actually crossed the line. And especially with people in the South that actually absolutely care about their football and then also bringing politics into it, that's just something that, uh, to me, just, it's kind of classless. And I think he, I think he just went a little too far with it. And I'm with, I'm with Joe. I think he should give an apology and I've actually been looking on Twitter and on ESPN to see if he actually does or actually did. That was very well said, Spencer. I, I agree with that completely. What do you think, Gary? I think it's unfortunate. Um, I hated to hear. Um, I think he should apologize. I don't agree with it at all. Um, that's really about all that I got to say about it. Hey, I mean, that, that, that's good enough. I mean, like I said, I just I was just surprised they let somebody come on there and say that. And I really, you know, I thought it was a very elitist, classist comment. And I think I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but, you know, kind of moving on to where, you know, the, the issue that Joe and I had a long conversation about this yesterday is that sports itself has become so political now that you feel like the first thing that you know about an athlete it's something that they do or say politically or something they tweeted about and not about their athletic acumen or what they do on the field. And Joe, when, when do you think that started? Well, that was the biggest thing, you know, with our conversation. We were trying to identify how did we reach this point? Like, you know, I want our listeners at home to understand, you know, I'm not here tonight to get a political opinion or opinion on what's going on in society. 
outside of sports one way or another. I don't want to do that. What I'm trying to decide is how did we reach this point where sports have become so controversial one way or another when it comes to the political spectrum. And I have to blame it on the media and on social media specifically. You look at Twitter and how comments are always out there on the Twitterverse for people to dissect, but it's also reached the point where the media, and in my opinion, unacceptably, starts every interview or press conference with an athlete by asking them questions about what's going on in society and not the sporting events themselves. We've come to expect athletes to use their platform to give political perspective. And I feel like the fact that we've reached that point, there's like there's no turning back. It's just allowed controversy to uh, to originate. Yeah, and, and Joe, I feel like at this point, they almost require an athlete to have an opinion about everything. And then if you don't state the opinion that's in the popular viewpoint right now, then you support the other side of it and you're going to get dogged out for it. Yeah, that's a huge problem. And you see people, you know, a lot of times they'll make a comment and they'll come back and apologize and retract the statement back and forth. And it doesn't come off as sincere. It comes off like it is uh, pressured by the media. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and, and, and Joe, this is an interesting thing. You know, you're talking about Twitter. Why do you think right now we overreact so much to athletes' Twitter comments? Well, I think, Dan, the, the larger problem is that everybody's comment is out there in the public now. Like, you know, it's almost like looking at um, a political cartoon or the funny section of the paper where you can see like the bubble quotes, and, like what people are thinking and saying, we know what's on people's minds when they put it on Twitter. And previously we didn't have that, you know, somewhat inside perspective on what people are thinking and saying off the field. You know, we didn't have the 24 hour news cycle once upon a time. And so all of those factors have uh, contributed to this problem. Well, you know, before we get too much on our, our soapbox here, the, the point that we're trying to make, though, is that we don't want to talk about politics on here. We like sports. That's why we have a show, so we can talk about sports. I don't want to talk about LeBron James' a thousand tweets about social justice. I don't want to talk about Drew Brees having to apologize about supporting the flag. I mean, these are things that people are doing. And that's what gets let in now every single time. I mean, why is playing football a political issue? Shouldn't be. And that's what the the Max Kellerman thing started over. It's him saying, you know, that it was uh, in the South that Trump would lose if they didn't play football and that, uh, you know, basically we're being cheap by following him into playing football. And so, I mean, why does that have to be on a show? You know, that, 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 that has to be the main thing you want to talk about is the effect of football on the presidential election. And I just feel like where we are in the sports media now, they care more about that stuff and what they're going to say about an issue than whether they scored 60 points in the game last night. And it's just, it, it really is taking away the love for me of watching ESPN. Yeah, I think, Dan, that's a valid point. I think that's the overarching point that I feel like we've all been kind of hitting at 
and you articulated it well, that, you know, when we turn on sports, people are trying to watch sports. When they turn on politics, they're expecting politics. How did we reach this point where you turn on sports and you get politics as the lead story? That, that's kind of the dichotomy that I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah, and I just I just think that they need to they get need to get away from it because I think it's turning off a lot of viewers uh, to sports in general, not just the NBA, who's been the biggest one out there about it. But speaking of something that, that's not political, the end of uh, last week's BMW Championship was just great sports, and uh, not not a really important tournament. It wasn't a major. Uh, my dad kept trying to make me watch it. He kept. The, and Spencer knows this about my dad, incessantly texting me, trying to get me to, to do this, to watch the end of this match. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. But when I went back later and I looked at all of the highlights, it was amazing what happened. Uh, basically, uh, John Rahm had a one-stroke lead going into the 17th hole. And in order to, to get a chance for a playoff there, uh, Dustin Johnson had to make a 50-foot putt that had about four different turns to it. He made it, and it brings it to a playoff. And then uh, the first playoff hole, Dustin Johnson's in position with a 15-foot birdie putt, and John Rahm has a 70-foot birdie putt. Uh, and you think that there's not even a good chance that he can two-putt to, to push if Dustin Johnson misses. But instead, Rom drills in this 80-foot putt that looked like something out of Happy Gilmore at the very end. And Dustin Johnson, uh, pursuant to his usual thing that you see with him, of course he misses the putt because Dustin Johnson, he's a Sergio Garcia-like putter, not his best thing. And that's the ending that we had. And uh, let's start with you, Carrie. Did you get to watch those highlights from the, the, US, uh, from the, the BMW championship last week? I did not, but uh, from hearing what you're saying, it seemed like it was a very good uh, uh, tournament there at the end. Uh, I was busy watching uh, some of the uh, NASCAR race, and and I think I was watching the Braves and some of the NHL. So uh, I had a pretty busy Sunday watching sports, but I did not get a chance to watch the uh, BMW championship. Was well, good, Spencer. Have you gotten to see these putts that I'm talking about? They're pretty epic. I did. I, I was like Carrie. I was going back and forth between sports on Sunday. I was watching a lot of NHL as well. Uh, I'm one of those weirdos from the south that loves hockey. But uh, I was flipping back and forth between the hockey game and the golf and golf, and I was looking up. Like especially Justin Johnson's, but holy crap! Like you're just you're watching it, and you're like, "There's no way he's gonna make that." I mean, he's I mean, easy to putt. The thing keeps on rolling, like it's got licks, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" Am am I watching a golf match or am I watching takeout here? All right, but it was it it was unbelievable. Absolutely. I would watch if your dad called me and said, Spencer, you better watch this. I, I would definitely, definitely been watching every single stroke. Yeah, I'll give Papa Sewell that. I should have watched the end of that. That was, that was a mistake on my part. Uh, Joe, have you gotten to see those last couple holes and see the drama that unfolded at the BMW? 
I did not get a chance to, unfortunately, Dan. I did see it. The headline is on the ticker on uh, ESPN and some of the other uh, sports stations as I was flipping through the channels. Um, I was I'm trying to think what I was watching Sunday. I was probably watching uh, the Braves and Phillies a little bit. Watched a little bit of the Mavericks and Clippers, um, but did not get a chance, unfortunately, and now regrettably uh, to check out the golf. All right. Speaking of regrettably, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier with the Saints front office makes a lot of bad decisions. I feel like that that's a known thing, especially when it comes to draft time and when it comes to trading people. Uh, the word right now with Alvin Kamara potentially getting traded by the Saints. Uh, Spencer, what would your thoughts be if the Saints did in fact trade Alvin Kamara? Why on earth would they do that, and could it be a positive thing? It absolutely would not be a positive thing. Uh, you know, you have potentially your number one offensive weapon, and you're going to go ahead and trade him away while you have, you have arguably it's Drew's last year, and his arm's not getting any stronger at this point. And you can do so much without a camera where you – it's absolutely evident you watch any highlight as soon as he got to the league and you trade him away and you know if that you know the trade rumor were, were true with with uh, Leonard Fournette that comes to the Saints you have two of the same running backs in Latavius Murray and at this point you have Latavius Murray who's the typical running back compared to Alvin, and you have the same running back as in Leonard Fournette coming in, even though they're a little bit different because uh, Leonard actually has a higher injury rate to him already. So that's already dead money. Uh, it absolutely would have been devastating if they couldn't make that deal. Yeah, I agree. Joe, what, what, what have you heard about this, and what's the reasoning behind it from, uh, from your inside knowledge on it? Well, it's just because uh, Alvin Kamara was sitting out a few days of practice, training camp, whatever you want to call it, trying to get a uh, contract extension because he's entering uh, the last year of his uh, rookie deal. And he was at practice today, so there's less uh, rumors swirling about this possibility. But the Saints were reportedly wanting to trade him for a first-round pick. And to Spencer's point, I think it would be a huge mistake to trade Alvin Kamara. I think that he is a huge key to the Saints winning the last three division titles. And if you look at the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era, the best teams that they've had have included running backs like Reggie Bush and Darren Sproles and Alvin Kamara. The three years they didn't have a good guy like that, 2014, 2016, they were really bad. They didn't make the playoffs. So the last thing I want to do is get rid of that guy and take a step back. Yeah, and I really like the Spencer's point, too, about uh, Drew Brees' arm strength decreasing and the fact that someone like Kamara that's such a good pass-catching running back is a real, a real asset right now. Because that's the best thing I think Kamara, Kamara does as a receiver. And I just don't know that you could pick up another running back right now who has that same skill set to the degree that Kamara has as a receiver. So I just, you know... I'm, I'm glad they spent everything they did to keep Michael Thomas, but they need to do the same thing for Kamara too. 
yeah, you'd be arguably losing your second best receiver if you trade. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, at this point, I want to get into our locker room talk tonight. We got Southern Miss grad and a South Alabama grad right now. They're going to tell us some fun and funny facts about their their respective universities. Of course, our locker room talk is always brought to you by our fine sponsors, uh, Hunter and Ginger Harrelson's Beach Ball Properties. Uh, Beach Ball Properties right now had some really good weather the last few days in Orange Beach. Labor Day weekend right now. If you're looking for a resort getaway, give Hunter and Ginger a call at Beach Ball Properties and go have a ball at the beach, either Orange Beach or Gulf Shores. Also, shout out to Jensen Computer Technologies, located uh, right outside of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Contact Ryan and Daryl Gale Jensen for all of your computer needs. All right. Uh, the first fact that I want to throw out for South Alabama is my mom worked there as a teacher for a while. Uh, up until about two years ago, she was an art teacher at South Alabama for all kinds of different subjects. And it was always interesting because I have people come up to me and say, Wow, your mom has a really interesting taste in music, like Eminem. Apparently, she used to play Eminem during the class, and that uh, that drew some interesting logs. All right, Spencer, what do you have uh, for your first fun or funny fact about USA? Uh, first, uh, I would like to second your, that your mother worked at South Alabama as an art teacher. She actually gave us a fine piece of art for my wife and I's wedding that we have hung up in our house right now that we get compliments about. So compliments to Mama Subal. Sure, I'll uh, that. The first one, the first, uh, first one back is foosball. Uh, every year, uh, they probably won't do it this year, but every year, uh, students get to play volleyball in a huge pit of mud. And they and it, it is a huge, huge deal every single year. I've never done it because mainly I didn't want to get hurt. And for a short guy like me, I would just be eaten alive on the volleyball court. But uh, it is a huge tradition that South Alabama they still do this very day. Well, not probably not this very day because of COVID. Oh well, in the in the non-new normal, it's okay. All right, Kerry, what's the, what's the first fun or funny fact you have for USO? Uh, I guess you could say that uh, at one time my dad and I uh, worked at USM at the same time. Uh, me as a part-time worker and my dad is a full-time employee. And uh, so that was a fun time. We worked together maybe, uh, I want to say it was like four years, four or five years. So that was a... Uh, Kind of a cool fact uh, with my family. Um, so about the school, uh, every year before uh, the first game, the incoming freshmen get to paint the Eagle Walk um, with real paint, and they have a great time doing it. Uh, this year they didn't do it because, of course, because of COVID. Um, and uh, I think it was done virtually, which I don't know how you do that. But uh, the Eagle Walk is now painted. Um, they closed it down for two days. Uh, uh, I think it was last week, and it is now painted. So that's that's a good thing. Uh, a fun fact for the Southern Miss football team: uh, in season openers, this might be a this might be interesting. Uh, Southern Miss 
has posted a 66 and 36 record in, in season openers dating back to a 30 to nothing victory over the Hattiesburg Boy Scouts in October of 1912. Uh, the Golden Eagles opened the 1916 season against Hopperville High School, but no score was reported. When the season opens this year in Hattiesburg, Southern Miss holds a 44 and 8 overall record. This will be the fourth straight year the Golden Eagles have opened a season at home. Well, I'm surprised they had a better record with starting all these games off against the Boy Scouts and the high schools in the area. This is a good start. All right, Carrie, can you confirm as a fact that Afro Man does indeed have a Golden Eagle on a stolen regal? Uh, I'm going to say yes, but I'm not sure. <laughs> she couldn't help it. Wait. Oh. <laughs> All right, Joe, do you have any good, fun, or funny facts about Southern Mess? we got time for about one more. Okay, I'd say uh, interesting parallel. You know, our, our lives sometimes I feel like mirror each other. My mom taught at USN for many years, and uh, also – Jimmy Buffett, uh, his alma mater is sort of this. So kind of an interesting celebrity that's not very far. That's a good one. Also, fun fact about uh, Jimmy Buffett, he failed out of two schools that I went to and one that Spencer went to. Failed out of McGill Tulum where I went to high school and failed out of Auburn where I went to college at. But there you go. It shows that a college education isn't that important after all. And with that great note, we're going to end uh, Dan and Joe's sports show. I want to enjoy it. Uh, give a thanks to Carrie and Spencer for joining us. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Jeff.